Hi again, this is Bill, and I'm doing, uh, this is part two of that series that I uh, started last week on what is the gospel, what is the nature of the gospel, and uh, so I'm just going to spend a few weeks going over what seems like the basics, but are really forgotten. Like I said last week, it's always, it's uh, kind of scary and actually kind of comforting to find out the number of people that when they're pressed wouldn't know exactly how to tell you what the gospel is from the scriptures. But um, So we're going to start going over it uh, today. What did the apostles believe? What did they receive from Jesus about the gospel that made them so bold to, to uh, proclaim the message? And, and uh, how does that play out for us today? So last week we talked about uh, 1 Corinthians 15, which was probably, I've actually had some comments from different people about the video and who've run into me and they said, well, that's an interesting way of putting it. And uh, that's an interest, or, or somebody said, that's an interesting way of, of saying it. And, uh, and even though this may sound like a bold claim, um, it's one that's really rooted uh, in history and in a great deal of study, is that this isn't one way of putting the gospel. This really is the gospel that the apostles preached. And uh, today, uh, I hope to tie that in a little bit more. And uh, one of the one of the reasons why it's really kind of a new idea for us, and we kind of are going. This, and I, you know, I've had just a number of comments about how that's an interesting way of putting it or that's very different. And uh, one of the reasons that is is because, um, you know, we were all raised uh, in the West, uh, particularly in America, but really in all Western culture, um, within a framework that is essentially platonic. And I don't want to go into all the ins and outs historically, but, you know, you, it's, it's real popular now to get some guy up on the, you know, up in the pulpit and, you know, you know, talking about, you know, that we were raised in a Greek philosophy and a Greek mindset, which is true. But I always kind of walk away with that, with the idea that, like, his message somehow cured us of that disease. And that's just not the case. <laughs> I mean, we're going to wrestle with this for the rest of our lives. And it's really only by the power of the Spirit through a life of prayer and the word, that we're really going to get victory over this uh, Greek philosophy that we were raised in. And Paul called it uh, in the First Corinthians that it's a it's an argument that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and so we really it really needs to be militated against. But p part of the way that uh, really Greek philosophy is really founded was upon the notion of a uh, of a dualism to reality. So you have two realms of existence. One is immaterial and holy, and the other, or they didn't call it holy, immaterial, and thus um, perfect and ideal. And then a material realm, which is totally separate. And the material realm is corrupt and perverted because of materiality, because materiality is essentially corrupt and wicked. But, um, and that really made its way into, through many streams and uh, events in history that I don't have time to go into, but that really made its way into not just the church, but really into Orthodox Christian theology. 
And um, one of the reasons why this sounds like a, just a really novel idea of the gospel is due to that. It's the primary reason. I'll give you an example. Um, today we're going to talk a little bit about the, because the resurrection of the body, the reason why that doesn't seem like that could be the crux of the gospel is because it doesn't lie within the framework that they already had as an expectation. And so I, I, I want to, which was that God loved the earth, God loves this planet, God loves humans, he loves the human body. And therefore, God's faithfulness was always interpreted as his assurance that he will restore this creation again. Because in Genesis, when he gets done on day six, and he says it's very good, not just what he made, but the way that he made it, to have a human reigning over the earth, and to have righteousness and intimacy with God on the earth. But on the earth, he loved the idea, and he still loves the idea. And in Isaiah 46, there's a passage, and uh, it's just popped into my head. This wasn't what I was thinking about sharing, but it popped into my head, so I'll go with it. Listen to this. In Isaiah 46, verse 9 and 10, the Lord says, Remember the former things long past, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is no one like me. Okay? So remember the former things long past. I am God and there is no one like me, declaring the end from the beginning. Okay? And from ancient times which have not been done, saying, my purpose will be established and, my, and I will accomplish all my good pleasure. So, the key to that is, my purpose will be established. When did he declare to us his purpose? that is going to be established in the end. It was in the beginning. So in the beginning, the Father declared His good pleasure, what the desire of His heart is, in creation, before the fall. And so He says, I declared my good pleasure at the beginning, and I will have it at the end. And that's verse 10. My purpose will be established, and I will accomplish my good pleasure. So, that is really the framework that the apostles had because it's the whole framework that, um, that everybody except for a kind of a rogue group called the Sadducees. And they, even though they were a part of, uh, they were an accepted part of Judaism, they were a vast minority that didn't believe in the resurrection of the body and the restoration of creation. But, so I'm going to look at one more gospel passage today and I'll leave you with these thoughts. So, Acts chapter 3. Acts is a pretty reliable place to get the gospel from. And um, because this is how they really walked out what they believed the Great Commission was. So they, heal, or they healed, uh, Peter and John healed the, the lame beggar at the gate called Beautiful in Acts chapter 3. And they get questioned by um, some of the leaders of the Jews. And listen to Peter's answer. I'm going to read um, uh, uh, several verses but I want you to read how he just throws this in there as if it's common understanding he basically says you guys killed the Messiah which was Peter often brought that up he was intense 
And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, I'm in Acts 3, verse 17, just as your rulers did also when they killed the Messiah. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all of the prophets that his Christ would suffer has thus been fulfilled. So that part has been fulfilled. Okay, now in verse 19, therefore, in light of that part being fulfilled, the rest of it is for sure going to happen. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. He's not just talking about a time of revival. Listen what's clear here. And that he may send Jesus, the Messiah or the Christ, in most versions it says Christ, but it just is literally the Messiah appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of the restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of the holy prophets from ancient times. So his whole call from the beginning to the gospel to the leadership of Israel was repent and return because if God did that part and that the Messiah suffered and he was raised, then he will do the other part in restoring creation, but not until Israel repents, which is another story we'll get into another time. But So he says repent and return so that he can send the Messiah who will restore all things that he talked about through the mouth of all of the prophets from ancient times. So this is really the, this is the foundation that the resurrection of the body comes from. It's not that God will save your soul and give you a great life and one day take you to heaven. It's that one day there's going to be a great restoration of the earth. And he, if you repent and believe on his Messiah, he will let you be a part of it. And um, that was essentially the gospel message and for the first quite a while before uh, some real changes took place. Repent and return so that he may send Jesus, whom the prophets talked about, at the period of the restoration of all things, which happens after the second coming. So um, I know this is probably a lot of new information for a lot of you, but I want to just encourage you to go to these passages, dig into them, Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal them to you. I think you'll find that this really is very, very normative. It's extremely common throughout the book of Acts, uh, throughout the epistles, that this really is what they're referencing. So blessings to you guys. Bye-bye.